Father, I claim Your promise that where two or three are gathered, Your Son and You will be here in our midst, in our hearts. And I ask today, Father, above all else, that You will pierce the darkness. Not just intellectually, Father, but pierce our hearts. We are Thine by creation and by redemption. We ask You in faith, and we thank You, and we do receive. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Give me just a moment. I need to find uh, the clicker. Thank you, sir. Do you know it's good because I always tell my wife, we're not doing a presentation. We're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And praise God because Ellen White told us that in the last days, God was going to use humble instruments whose even their wording would not be exactly correct. They're, I don't remember the phrase, but she said they're not going to be the most eloquent, but they will be filled with the Spirit of the living God. I want to share something with you. And I want you to hear this, listen to this. Our condition through sin through faithlessness and transgression is unnatural. And the power that restores us must be supernatural, else it has no value. There is but one power that can break the hold of evil from the hearts of men. And that is the power of God. The power of deity. The power of divinity in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to, I want to give you some homework. I want you to go home this week and I want you to read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And I want you to mark down on a piece of paper if you highlight your Bible. I want you to go through Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 and I want you to make a mark of every time it says in Christ, in whom, in Him. And then you think about what we're told in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, that I might be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, but His. There is but one power that can break the hold of evil from the hearts of men, and that is the power of God in Christ Jesus. Only through the blood or the life of the crucified one is their cleansing from sin. His grace alone can enable us to resist and subdue the tendencies of our fallen nature. The word grace, how many people in here have ever looked up grace before? I, I grew up as a Christian. I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist home. I heard God's Word. And I thought I knew what that word meant. Praise God, He's starting to open our eyes. Grace means the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection as seen in the life. It's not just mercy. His divine influence upon our hearts alone can enable us to resist and subdue the tendencies of our fallen nature. These spiritualistic theories concerning God make His divine influence of none effect. 
Okay, let's go to the video. I'm going to show a short clip of why I'm here and, and why we're sharing this message. And make sure, make sure we have audio. While they're working on getting the audio going, being raised as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, being raised in a Christian home, when I was 11, 12 years old, my parents went through a divorce. And that's common now. One out of every two marriages in our church ends in divorce. So I was looking for a father figure. I was looking for someone to affirm who I was and what my purpose was in life. And because I didn't have my dad at home, which I know my dad loved me with all his heart, but because he wasn't there to do that, I did what most young men do. I started looking to coaches, whether it be soccer or football or track or, or some Hollywood star, someone to inspire me. And I saw the men that perform martial arts and the Eastern arts, and I said, those men have power. And so I started on a journey not knowing where that journey was going to lead. And for 24, almost 25 years, I followed that path, not just in martial arts. And I'm going to ask you a quick question. How many people in here have ever participated in a combative art or self-defense art? Okay, a relatively small. How many people have ever participated or been involved in yoga? How many people have ever been involved in traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, acupressure, iridology, kinesiology? Raise your hands now. Wow. So when we classify that and we share that big group, that's almost 80% of all of us have been involved in one of those arts. According to current demographics, there are more than 650 million practitioners of martial arts, Tai Chi, and yoga worldwide. UFC and mixed martial arts arenas draw approximately $25 million per event. Per event. According to a recent USA Today study, Yoga has grown to be a $27 billion industry per year in the United States alone. Do you know that 10 years ago, if you went to a Walmart or a Kmart or a Target or something like that, you would find maybe three or four things in the sporting goods section that had to do with yoga. Now they've got an entire aisle. All of them do. Why are we witnessing such a flood of Eastern philosophy and mystical practice in our culture today? And why now, even within our Christian churches, are these mystical practices growing in popularity and acceptance? A lot of people don't realize 
that Tai Chi classes are being taught in Seventh-day Adventist churches, in Baptist churches, in Methodist churches. Yoga classes are being taught in our churches as well as other Christian churches. We have every type of martial art, every type of Eastern mystical practice. We have acupuncture and kinesiology and reflexology, muscle testing. Anybody here ever had that done on them? We don't know. But God's Word says something. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, I want to I share something, and this is the most important. When I first gave my heart back to the Lord, I mean, I was going to church every week. Every Sabbath I was at church. I was asked to, to teach Sabbath school sometimes. Sometimes I was asked to share from the pulpit if some you know, wasn't there to fill in. But six days a week, I was involved in a different religion. Do you understand? You can't say I'm going to do Christ three hours a week, but I'm going to do whatever, football or, or shopping or whatever. You can't take three hours a week and compare that to 20 or 30 or 40 hours a week because the one that we feed is the one that will grow the most. And... When I first gave my life back to the Lord, when He first won my heart, I wanted to share with people because I said, you know, these dangers are coming in everywhere. My mother called me one week and she said, Eric, she said, what do you know about Tai Chi? I said, well, I taught it. And she said, well, we've got a lady at our church that's wanting to bring an instructor in for once a week to help people to stretch and to relax. And I said, don't let them get anywhere near the church. And I wanted to share with people the dangers. But after a few months, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to spend the rest of my life telling people what's wrong with martial arts and yoga and Tai Chi. I mean, come on. I mean, how many times do you have to tell? You know, and now it's like people will call and they're like, you know, would you, you know, would you, would you come? I shouldn't say now. Back then they would call and say, would you come and share it? I'm like, well, we've got the video. I mean, you can rent the video or watch the video on YouTube for free. You don't have to, you know, pay for my flight to get me out there. Watch the video. And God revealed something to me. And I praise Him for that. The head knowledge, the head knowledge about this is what's wrong with this. There's demons. There's spiritual influences. It's meaningless if it doesn't affect your heart. Do you understand? And, and what I'm going to share with you today is what Christ showed me in His mercy. This is being brought into our churches so that we will not have faith in this. This is destroying our faith in the Word of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you today because of what my wife and I went through and what my family went through. How many people in here have got children that have left the Lord? Raise your hand. How many people have got parents that have fallen away? Or one parent? How many people have got brothers and sisters? Do you want to know why we're missing people in our pews that used to be here? It's not because they didn't have head knowledge. It's because their hearts had not been won, had not been touched. They knew what the Bible says. God so loved me so much He gave His only begotten Son. But they couldn't feel it. 
Now, I'm not talking about ushy-gushy, you know, we're, we're a feel-good religion, but let me tell you something. God wants you to know by experience that He loves you. He wants you every morning when you wake up for Him to look at you and say, you're mine. You're mine. That's what we're lacking. That's what this is doing, everything it can to destroy. And I'm going to challenge you real quickly. This is just the, the preliminary for our message. I want to challenge you with something. I've got two children. One of them's 17, one of them's 21. My daughter's 21. My son's 17. And I pray for them every day because I'm watching how the world and the enemy of righteousness is pulling on our hearts and on our children's hearts. And, and I have to go to God's Word and I have to say, God, you made a promise to me that you'll contend with him that's contending with me and you will save my children in Isaiah 49. And I have to go to Deuteronomy chapter 3 and say, Lord, you swore an oath to me that you will circumcise my heart and the heart of my children to love you with all of our hearts. The only place I can go is to the Word. And let me tell you why. Because I'm 47 years old. For 20 years, I've tried to circumcise my children's hearts and my wife's heart. How many people have experienced that? I see exactly what's wrong with this person I love. I know exactly what the issue is. You need your heart circumcised. And I would take out my sword and I would start hacking away at them to circumcise that heart. It doesn't work, does it? Only Christ can win the heart. When Protestantism shall stretch her hand across the gulf to grasp the hand of the Roman power, when we shall reach over the abyss to clasp hands with spiritualism, then we may know that the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan and that the end is near. Do you know it says that with one hand we're going to reach over the abyss and with the other hand we're going to reach over the deep and with one hand we're going to grasp the Roman power and with the other hand we're going to grasp what? Spiritualism. Okay, in my mind, growing up hearing this message, a third angel's message, I was like, okay, I can see us shaking hands with Rome and we're doing that today. Not just our church, all the Protestant churches are doing it. We saw that with Tony Palmer not too long ago. Okay, I can see us grasping hands with Rome. How do you see us grasping hands with spiritualism? In my mind, I thought, spiritualism, that's the state of the dead. How do you grasp hands with that? Okay, well, I have to understand this doctrine. The, spirit, uh, the, the state of the dead is... The dead know not anything. Um, one day we know fallen angels are going to impersonate my dead grandmother and your dead relative, and I've got to know that so I won't be deceived. And yes, that's correct. But if that's all we have, we're missing the picture. We're missing the picture. The dead know not anything. When, when were you crucified? You can reply. When were you crucified? 2,000 years ago, Romans chapter 6, 
Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. The dead know not anything. The old man is gone. So knowing about the state of the dead, that part of spiritualism, there's more there than just what happens with dead grandma or dead grandpa. Now, I want to challenge you with something else. When you read the writings of the Lord's servant, you'll see that the word spiritualism and spiritism are used almost interchangeably often. In the 1800s, we had the Fox sisters. Remember hearing the stories about the wrappings? That was 1814 to 1890. Look at the dates. 1888 was our message of righteousness by faith. 1890 was when they died. The Ouija board, it was introduced by a man named Elijah Bond in 1890. Isn't that something? That these teachings were all coming in at the same time God was revealing that we can have righteousness by faith in His promises. And today we're seeing spiritualism mixed with healing. Spiritualism is the practice of communicating with the dead, and this is usually done through the use of a medium or a channel. Spiritism is the study of communication with spirit entities, introduced into the Christian West by a man named Alan Kardec in 1804 through 1869. That's amazing. Now, if you've ever seen any of the films from Little Light Studios, raise your hand. If you haven't seen them, you need to watch them. That's a medium. And you change your channels. And if you watch the Hollywood actors, if you watch the musicians today, they do not, they're not afraid to tell you where they get their power. I've watched Oprah Winfrey and Denzel Washington and Robin Williams and actor after actor after actor tell you, Keanu Reeves, they tell you the spirit world is the one that gives me the power when I act. So when I sit down and I watch something from Hollywood, you're not watching human beings. You are watching human beings that have been possessed, whether it be temporarily or permanently by evil spirits. That is spiritism. Now I want to show you where this started. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God really said? And that's supplied. But do you understand it's also implied in the text? If you're able to, write down the reference there. The story of redemption, page 31 through 35. Read what we're, what we're told there. Satan actually went in and took possession of this serpent. And it's amazing to me because when the serpent was cursed, God said, you're cursed to the ground. You'll crawl on the ground forever now. And I remember reading that and I thought, well, what did it do before? Well, it's amazing because if you go to the most ancient writings we have in, in the world, in the ancient pictures outside of the Hebrew, the Chinese dragon looks like a serpent with wings. And they're beautiful. They're fascinating. Read what Ellen White has to say about them. 
Read how she says they had wings and they flew. And as they flew, the scales glittering and reflecting all the glory of the colors of Eden and the sun shining upon them. They were hypnotizing. Satan said, has God really said? Let me give that to you in today's English. I know it says that, but is that what he really meant? My wife and I, and I'm not going to tell this story because we, we have the story with the film from Little Light Studios, but back in 2003, we went through a terrible fight. The enemy came in like a flood into our family, and it was my fault. I, I admit it. I admit what I did. I committed adultery. I listened to the voice of the serpent. The devil said, you know, are you tired of fighting? Are you tired of the arguing? You know, every... Every couple has disagreements, but it got to where it was so overwhelming. And because of years of being in the martial arts, I didn't know how to believe this literally anymore. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And I went down and I signed the papers and the judge divorced us. We were divorced for almost five years. Saw my children every week. They came over to my house, but I was a different person. And the entire time that I was gone from home, my wife, I mean, her, whole, her family, her family said, if you move out here to where we live in Texas, her dad said, we'll buy you a house. You don't have to worry about it. We'll take care of you. And I thought she'd be gone. I thought three months she'll be gone. And she didn't leave. And what was amazing to me was is that she stayed and she kept praying and she would fast and she would pray and she would fast and she would pray and she kept losing weight. But it didn't matter how much weight she lost, her face was glowing. And here I was thinking that I was free now. I'd met some other person and I'm, I'm living this life and I don't have any responsibilities and I'd lay down in my bed at nighttime as hollow and as empty and as miserable, dead. And she, I would see her when she would come to my house, and she was alive. And I was like, how is she so full of joy when she's gotten down to where she doesn't weigh even 100 pounds? i tell you how. She was spending hours every day and every night in the Word. And she found a promise where God said, what I've joined together, let no man put asunder, not even a judge. And she held on to that word. And she went to church and people would come up to her. And I know they meant well, but they would come up and they would pat her on the shoulder and they would say, we're praying for you. And one day my wife looked at one of those people and she said, do you believe what God's word says? That he'll bring my husband home. And they said, Sarah, he's been gone for two years. He's not coming home. My wife said, if you don't believe, don't pray for me. I don't want you to pray for me if you don't believe. Do you understand? Your faith in God's Word makes all the difference when you're praying for your children and your family. So when I was 14 years old, I got involved in the martial arts. And this was, was me when I was, had made black belt. After 14 years of training, it took me 14 years to make that black belt. Now I want to show you what I learned over those first 14 years. What destroyed my faith in the Word of God. 
God said, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. That means obey them or worship them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. How many people have read that before? Why is he jealous? I, I had somebody email me and they said, I don't want to serve a God that's jealous. And the Lord, I said, Lord, I've got, I've got to reach this person's heart. What do you say to somebody that's fighting with the enemy in their mind like that? And the Lord said, I'm jealous like a husband's jealous for his wife. I'm jealous for your affection. But in the martial arts, they do it every single time they walk into the dojo. Every time they have to address their sensei or their sifu. Every time they bow before a, a, another martial artist. They're doing exactly what God says don't do. Now what the martial arts instructors will tell you is, I know it says that, but that's not what it means. That's exactly what Satan said. When, when most students walk into a, a dojo or a Daojang, a studio, a martial arts studio, you'll see them taking their shoes off. Some, some studios will let you in with shoes on, but when you step onto the mat, the actual training area of the, the facility, you have to take your shoes off. The Bible says, the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah, however you pronounce, you know, choose to pronounce that, He said unto Moses, put off thy shoes from thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. It wasn't until years after I realized for the first time in my life when I went into those studios and those dojos and I trained in many styles. I had a black belt in seven different styles, at least to first stand. And I'm not telling you that to brag because it's all done. It's meaningless. But I'm telling you because it didn't matter which style it was, they all have the same roots. When you walk in there and you take your shoes off, do you know who it is that really wants you to take your shoes off? It's the spirit that's influencing the instructor, whether he knows it or not. Because that spirit then will look up into heaven and tell Christ, you told Moses to do this for you, your son and daughter is now doing it for me. What do you think about that? And I can remember a number of years ago, a friend of mine, we were working for a security company, and we went to this home of this nice lady to put her security system in. And she opened the door up, and she was of the Hindu persuasion. And she asked us, as soon as we walked in, she said, would you gentlemen mind taking your shoes off? And it was a new apartment. I mean, I knew it was a brand new apartment. I had done the pre-wire on the place. They had just moved in there recently. And the Lord just spoke to my heart, and I, I asked her a question. I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? And she said, sure. I said, do you want me to take my shoes off because you're worried about the carpet? You're wanting to protect the new carpet? Or is there another reason? And she looked down for a second, and then she looked at me straight in the eyes, and she said, there's another reason. And I said, I can't take my shoes off. Do you understand? That stuff wasn't written for way back then. It applies today. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Be not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and you are all brethren. Who in, who in the world today uses the phrase rabbi? Okay, Orthodox Jews. Who else? 
Many of the Messianic believers that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ use that phrase because they're taught to by their instructor, their rabbi, their leader. But let me share something with you. Being called rabbi is the same thing as a man saying, you can't call me by my first name. You need to address me as pastor so-and-so. And I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, but do you understand the difference? We don't want to seek glory for ourselves. I remember the first time I met Pastor David Gates and, and he looked at me and he said, just call me David or call me Uncle David. Just, you know, don't use big phrase. I'm just like you. He sat down on the floor and ate with us just like everybody else. Do you understand? It's what's in our hearts. He said, and call no man your father upon the earth. Do you see who that is up there? They call him the Holy Father. For one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters. That means teacher or spiritual guide. For one is your master, even Christ. When you take little Johnny and Susie to the local Taekwondo or whatever karate studio or judo, and they walk in there, the instructor, if he is of any rank whatsoever, if it's Japanese, his title will be sensei. If he's Chinese, his title will be sifu or sijo or sigong. Do you know what the word sensei and sifu literally mean when you look those words up in Japanese and Chinese? They mean one who has been twice born or born before, a master. That's amazing to me. So what do I do? God's Word tells me not to do this, but I go to this place and they tell me it doesn't really mean that. We're just bowing out of respect. This is our cultural tradition. What do I do? Do I obey God's Word or do I compromise? And here's a big one. And I'm not going to get into this today because we could spend an hour on this. But we do share this on the stuff that we have on film from AD as well as Little Light Studios. Jesus opened His mouth and taught them saying, You have heard, you have understood that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that was Jesus that actually had Moses write that down. But I say unto you, Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now I want to share just real briefly, this is not talking about somebody coming into your house to rape and kill. Do you understand? This is talking about a pride issue. This is where somebody gets so fed up with you that they smack you in the face to humiliate you. This is somebody trying to prove something through a fist fight, not somebody trying to murder your family. Do you understand? Do I believe him? Now, if I go to a martial arts studio and little Johnny and Susie are there and for two hours, twice a week, somebody swings a punch, what are they taught to do? Block and counter. Block and counter over and over and over and over again. What do you think they're going to do at school when the bully comes up and swings. What do you think Johnny's going to do? He's going to do what he's practiced. Muscle memory. He's going to block and he's going to counter. So what does he do here? So for 30 minutes on Sabbath morning, 
when he's at church, he hears that this man he's never seen before tells him, turn the other cheek. But yet for four hours a week, he's taught by a man that he can see, block and counter. Do you understand the dangers? When Satan has undermined faith in the Bible, he directs men to other sources for light and power. And thus he insinuates himself. Those who turn from the plain teachings of Scripture and from the convicting power of God's Holy Spirit are inviting the control of demons. It's that simple. You want to talk about turning from the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, the words I speak unto you are spirit and life. The only way you can realize the power of the Holy Spirit is when you, by faith, accept those words and you take a step forward to obey them. Criticism and speculation concerning the Scriptures have opened the way for spiritism and, what's that word? Theosophy. Theosophy, the, the Theosophical Society, was founded primarily by one woman. Her name was H.P. Blavowski. And when you realize that she was alive while Ellen White was alive, it's like I can remember growing up reading about all these things with spiritualism. I didn't realize it was all happening right here in this part of our country. Blavowski was here, this part of our country. Criticism and speculation concerning the Scriptures have opened the way for theosophy, those modernized forms of ancient heathenism to gain a foothold even in the professed churches of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are many who shrink with horror from the thought of consulting spirit mediums, but who are attracted by more pleasing forms of spiritism, such as the Emmanuel movement, or Edgar Casey. You can go to any health food store just about in this country and find all kinds of stuff from the Casey Foundation. Still others are led astray by the teachings of Christian science and by the mysticism of theosophy and other oriental religions. These are coming into our churches. Now let's go one step farther. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When I used to read this, I thought, okay, he's telling her she's going to be like God. Let me explain something to you. When you read the first three chapters of Patriarchs and Prophets, there is a light that comes on, what he was actually saying was the same thing he said to the angels in heaven. God, we don't need your law to tell us what's right and wrong. We're just as holy as you are. We can decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. That's what he was telling Eve. And that's the same thing that these leaders are telling us in our churches today. You don't need the law. To the very close of the controversy in heaven, the great usurper continued to justify himself when it was announced that with all his sympathizers he must be expelled. Then the rebel leader boldly avowed his contempt for the Creator's law. If you can sum up God's law in one phrase, what would it be? 
love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor above yourself. It's love. It's self-sacrifice on behalf of others. What does the martial arts teach? You sacrifice others on your own behalf. I've got to survive. This person's going to have to go down. I've had people tell me before it's about self-defense. There is no self-defense in martial arts. And I'm telling you, after training people, hundreds of people for 25 years, there is no self-defense in martial arts. And let me show why. Because the moment that I reach out and I block that punch, and their arm connects with my arm, it becomes offense. Defense is to turn and run. But do you know what stops people from turning and running? Pride. The one thing above everything else that we have to be delivered from. And you know, it's funny because martial arts on the average in the United States is $80 per month. And it takes average three to five years to, to become competent to reach a black belt level. Okay, $80 a month, three to five years. I can go jogging for free every day. If you're that worried about being hurt, if your faith hasn't grown strong enough yet to believe that God will do what He has promised He'll do. Satan reiterated his claim that angels needed no control, but they should be left to follow their own will which would ever guide them aright. He denounced the divine statutes as a restriction of their liberty, and he declared that it was his purpose to secure the abolition of law that freed from this restraint, the host of heaven might enter upon a more exalted, more glorious state of existence. Now I'm going to read you just a couple of quotes from the martial arts masters and founders. When an old man is able to defeat many attackers, how could it be due to his strength? I can remember seeing men, one man in particular named Moriai Ueshiba. He was the founder of the system, the Japanese system called Aikido. And you see, it, it's fascinating when you watch it, but I don't encourage it. It looks effortless how they can throw attackers off of them and defend themselves against knives and guns and sticks and, and all these things. But I remember seeing a film of him, and they brought him in on a cot. He was 80 Four, eighty-three, eighty-two years old. They brought him in sitting on a cot because he was old. And they set him down on the floor. And then they brought in 10 or 15 black belts, combative black belts, not the, the point system. These are men that had trained hard, full contact. They brought these men in and put them in a circle around him. And one by one, they would begin, begin coming at this little 80-some-year-old man with a sword or with a staff, and he was sitting on the ground, and he would defend and deflect, and he would grab them and throw them across the floor. And pretty soon there was two or three of them coming. And all of a sudden, he stood up. And it was like he went from being this little old man to this... Something changed. And all of a sudden, all these black belts are rushing him with, with swords and with sticks, and he's throwing them off of him like it's nothing. And he's moving in swirls. And, and, and then when he's done, he goes right back to being that little old man again. And they put him back on the cot, and they carry him back out. Now, 
don't, don't raise your, well, don't raise your hand. Or if you do want to raise your hand, that's fine, but we're not taking notes. Nobody's taking notes on this. How many people in here have ever seen the Star Wars films? There's a little old man represented in those films called Yoda. You think your children and, and the adults, I shouldn't say children, you think the adults of this generation are not being influenced? When you read and you see who George Lucas got his inspiration from to make these films, it was all Eastern mysticism. Gichin Funakushi, the father of modern-day karate, said any man will be able, after sufficient practice, to accomplish remarkable feats of strength. But he may go only so far and no farther. There is a limit to human physical strength that no man can exceed. That's startling. Masoyama. This man was a tenth dawn. That's the highest rank you can achieve in karate. He killed full-grown bulls with his bare hands. I've seen it. You watch film footage of it. It's not fake. He would stand there in that ring and they would loose a bull and after a few charges, he would sidestep and he would use what's called a shuto blow and he would chop one of the horns off. And then he would step to the other side on the next charge and take that horn off. The next time the bull came in, he would drop down and he would do a punch to the heart and the bull would die instantly. That is not possible with human power. Listen to what he said. Always more vital to karate than techniques or strength is the, what's that say? Spiritual element that lets you move and act with complete freedom. That's called possession. Spiritual development is paramount. Technical skills are merely the means to an end. Now let's talk about acupuncture. This is from a practitioner of acupuncture. Acupuncture is the stimulation of specific points on the body by a variety of techniques, including the insertion of thin metal needles through the skin. Right now, the majority of medical science in the United States is saying that this is scientific. But listen to what he says. The needles are intended to remove blockages in the flow of chi. How many people have ever heard that word used before? It's this mystical energy that they can't identify, but they say it exists. And it's funny because the way that they say it exists is because they can see its results, not see it itself. And that's amazing to me because Jesus said something like that to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus was asking about the Spirit of God and Jesus said, Nicodemus, you can't see the Spirit, but you can see its results. Just like the wind blows where it wants, you can't tell where it came from or where it's going, but you can see the results. These, these disposable needles serve only as an antenna to allow transfer of, quote, energy through a point in the body. If you go on our website on Isaiah Ministries, we've got an hour and 45 minute segment that goes just into this topic. And we show where this came from, what it really is, and from experience. We give quotes from the men. 
Now listen to what this doctor says. And she's, yes, sir. IsaiahMinistries.wordpress.com. You're welcome. This lady is very pro-Eastern mysticism. She's not speaking against it. Listen to what she says, this doctor. In recent years, we have learned much about releasing energy, about raising energy, transforming energy, directing energy, and controlling energy flow. Yet the energy we are talking about remains... What's that word? Undefined. Undefined. They're admitting it. I remember after years of training to learn how to do these things with this energy, how to move people without touching them, how to, to do things it was impossible to do humanly. And I'll give you one story, and i got to be careful because I'm trying to consolidate. If I go too long, y'all just tell me to stop, and I'll stop. The last man that I trained under, he was a tenth dawn in two systems of Kung Fu. That's the that's You're looking at 40 years minimum of training in the martial arts full-time for one tenth dawn. He was a tenth dawn in two systems. And I can remember that man, he could do things that to me it was mind-blowing. And I had two of my close friends that I had trained with for many years. Both of them were first-degree black belts, and they were fighters. These men were, were hardcore. They came down and they wanted to meet this grandmaster, and he knew I wanted, I wanted him to take over their training. And I, I told him, I said, I want to introduce you to these friends of mine. And um, he looked at them and he said, I want you men to go do something. He said, go get me a long staff. So we went and got like a six-foot staff, you know, like a, they call it a bow staff or a Joe staff. A bow staff is the long one. Um, he said, go get that staff. Now, this instructor, this grandmaster, he weighed probably 230, 240 pounds. These two men, one of them weighed about 210, the other one weighed about 190. These two men went and got the staff. He said, I want you two to take hold of that staff on the other end. He stood on one foot just like this, and he held that staff with these two fingers. And they held the staff with both hands on the other end, and he said, push me over. And they tried for five minutes and could not budge him to push him over. And then he took his hand and he went like that and he shoved both of them off their feet. They were, they were one. They were, they were like, that's who I want to train with. That's the kind of power that I want. Do you understand? That's what Satan's going to do when he performs miracles to win your affection. And I want to share something with you in saying that. I've had many Seventh-day Adventists and many Christians that say that's why there'll be no miracles in the end. I'm like, wait a minute, we've been told by Ellen White that when the latter rain is poured out, miracles will be wrought. The dead will be raised. But she said the miracle is not to be our proof of who's right and who's wrong. These signs will follow those that believe. What decides who is who is whether they keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. See, maybe I've got to stand the other way. Okay, there we go. Here's another interesting quote. This was from a scientific magazine. 
Science Daily, December 1, 2008. Acupuncture works, but it works equally well with or without needle penetration. Now I want you to think about that. When somebody tells you acupuncture is okay, no matter what their background, this is what they have found through scientific studies. And if you go back to the original writings from the, the Chinese masters in this art of acupuncture, they tell you the same thing. They say once the practitioner or the doctor reaches a certain level of expertise, he no longer needs the needles. He can just put his finger there and do the same thing. Or he can be in the other room and he can will it to happen and it happens. Or he can be in the other city or another state or it can be 2,000 miles away. The needle has nothing to do with it. It's just uh, a toy. That's right. What about yoga? A lot of people say yoga is just about stretching. Let me show you what they say. Yoga literally means to yoke to or join in union as one. Etymologically, it is connected to the English word yoke. Yoga means union with Brahma. That's the Hindu god. Or the union of the little ego self with the divine self, the infinite spirit. Yoga is primarily a spiritual discipline. I'm showing you just a few quotes. If you see the other films, and we're also working on a book, so keep us in prayer on that. I hope to have that ready this year. We're working hard. I've got hundreds of quotes. It's not one, hundreds from different masters and grandmasters from across the world. And they all say the same thing. While they promise us liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought into bondage. When I go to a martial arts studio and I've been raised knowing you don't bow to this man, you don't take your shoes off except for God, you don't call this man master, and I go in there knowing that, and this man says, it doesn't really mean that. I know it says that, but it doesn't really mean that. And there's thousands of Christian martial arts instructors or yoga instructors or Eastern mystical healers that will tell you that. Oh, I believe in Jesus. If you believe in me, why don't you obey him? I have a lot of people that tell me, what, is, what difference is it going to make? If you choose to obey, that's the first step. I don't believe you're going to be possessed just because you go to a martial arts studio. But you begin opening the door. And what the devil does is, is he keeps throwing crumbs down, and the more you open that door up, one day he rushes in and you can't get him out. In the days of Christ, the leaders and teachers of Israel were powerless to resist the work of Satan. Do you remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3? Everybody remember that story? Do you need to stand up for a second? Would that make you feel better? I mean, if you need to stand up, stand up for a minute. You're not going to bother me. Don't be afraid. It's not. I mean, everybody stand up. Just stand up. We're not going to do anything bad. Just stand up. Take a deep breath. Okay. If you need to stay standing up, that's not going to bother me. But I know what it's like after you've been listening all day. When Nicodemus came to Jesus, do you know the first words that he said? 
We know that thou art from God because no man can do the miracles that we see you doing. We have a form of godliness. We know the verses, but we're not seeing the effect. When Jesus went through towns and cities and was healing, sometimes He would go into a town and it says He healed every person that was there. And they said, never a man has spake like this, for when He speaks, His Word has power. Do you know that He said the same power that I have, I have given to you if you will just believe My Word? In the days of Christ, the leaders and teachers of Israel were powerless to resist the work of Satan, for they were neglecting the only means by which they could have withstood evil spirits. It was by the Word of God that Christ overcame the wicked one. The leaders of Israel professed to be the expositors of God's Word, but they had studied it only to sustain their traditions and to enforce their man-made observances. By their interpretation, they made God's Word express sentiments that God had never given. Their mystical construction made indistinct that which He had made plain. They disputed over insignificant technicalities. Let me share something with you. And i got to be careful because when I share, I, I want to share with everybody. I want the world, not just our church, okay? But let me tell you about our church because I've got experience. That's us. Do you know we are the best debaters? You can go to fellowship dinner or you can go, you can find Adventists arguing over technicalities all day. And there are souls dying in our churches that just need to be free. They just, I've got people that'll argue, is it Jehovah or is it Yahweh? And then I've got another good friend of mine that he'll argue how I spell Yahweh, which, which vowel I'm using. And I'm like, I want to help people be free. Is there still sin in our lives that we want to get? Praise Him and use the name that He showed you. But don't get angry at somebody because they're using a different. We've got work that's got to be done. We don't need to be divided right now. Thus, infidelity was sown broadcast. God's Word was robbed of its power and evil spirits worked their will. History is repeating with the open Bible before them and professing to reverence its teachings. Many of the religious leaders of our time are destroying faith in it as the Word of deity. They busy themselves with dissecting the Word and they set their own opinions above its plainest statements. In their hands, God's Word loses its regenerating power, and this is why we see iniquity so widespread. Okay, now we're coming to the, the meat of it, the ending section. This is a man named Brian McLaren. How many people are familiar with him? I'm only going to show you a few quotes from these men, but these men are writing the books that pastors and leaders in our church are reading so they can go back to their churches and teach their churches how to grow. Through the emerging church, through spiritual formation. Listen to what he says. The Bible is not considered an accurate, absolute, authoritative, or an authoritarian source, but a book to be experienced. And one experience can be as valid as any other. 
Experience, dialogue, feelings, and conversations are equated with Scripture, while certitude, authority, and doctrine are to be eschewed. That means avoided at all costs, like something that you hate. No doctrines are to be absolute, and truth or doctrine must be considered only with personal experiences. The Bible is not an answer book. I don't even know what to say. But yet we have pastors and leaders that will go and read this man's works, and then we come back and we have the, the hellish torch of Satan being proclaimed from our pulpits? Now don't get angry at the man at the pulpit. Pray like you have never prayed before. Lord, open the eyes of the blind. Turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Listen to what he says in a generous orthodoxy. I don't believe making disciples must equal making adherence to the Christian religion. It may be advisable in many circumstances to help people become followers of Jesus and yet remain within their Buddhist, Hindu, or Jewish context. How, how can you follow Jesus and stay a Buddhist? Or a Hindu? Or a Muslim? You can't. The God of Islam and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are two different gods. All you have to do is look at their characteristics. This is one of the founders of the Shaolin Temple in New Mexico. Listen to his words. Same words. I don't think Brian McLaren has ever met this man or read his writings. When you come to the Shaolin Temple, you don't need to change what you believe. You don't need to change religions or shave your head or become a vegetarian. You don't need to change anything. Stay believing whatever you believe. Whether it's in God, Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, or anyone else, I believe in them all. I do not teach Chinese philosophy. I teach international philosophy. I encourage my students and followers to go to church, go to monasteries, go to mosques, to open their minds and open their hearts. Learn all of the philosophies and combine them together. That's your philosophy. Now, how many people know about Rick Warren? Okay, do you know that his book, what's the name of it? The Purpose Driven... How many people have read it? I'm not, I'm not going to get mad. Raise your hand if you've read that. My wife read it, and she was like, Eric, this is unreal. She didn't know. Because when you're reading something that has been inspired by another spirit... It blinds the eyes. That's why we see students going to, to university or college and they go in believing in Christ and they come out not knowing what they believe. Herbert, Herbert Douglas wrote a book exposing this. Listen to what he says. You can keep your own religion. Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, Mormonism. You just need to add Jesus to the equation. Then you become complete. You become a Buddhist with Jesus, a Hindu with Jesus, a Muslim with Jesus, and so on. You can throw out the term Christianity and still be a follower of Jesus. In fact, you can throw out the term Christian too. 
In some countries, you could be persecuted for calling yourself a Christian, and there's no need for that. Is that what the Gospels say? All that follow Christ shall be persecuted. This man professes to be, he is one of the most renowned Christian leaders in the world. Just ask Jesus into your heart. You don't have to identify yourself as a Christian. This is from Alan Jones, another emerging church spiritual formation leader and author. The image of the child Jesus sitting on the Buddha's lap appeals to me and captures the spirit of my book. It is an image of the kingdom. The kingdom is another shorthand signifying an inclusive community of faith, love, and justice. Next month, there's an event that's taking place on the Washington Capitol lawn. Get online and see if you can find out what that event is. And then look and see who's behind it and what the Pope has had to say about that event. Same exact words. This is Rob Bell, another emerging church leader and spiritual formation teacher. He says, in yoga, it's not how flexible you are. It's not whether you can do the poses. It's not how much you can bend yourself. The purpose is, can you keep your breath consistent through whatever you're doing? And the yoga masters say, this is how it is when you follow Jesus and surrender to God. He preached this from the pulpit. How many of, of the congregation do you think were then open to looking into yoga? The warnings of God's Word regarding the perils surrounding the Christian church belong to us today. As in the days of the apostles, men tried by tradition and philosophy to destroy faith in the Scriptures, so today by the pleasing sentiments of higher criticism, evolution, spiritualism, theosophy, and pantheism. The enemy of righteousness is seeking to lead souls into forbidden paths. To many, the Bible is as a lamp without oil because they have turned their minds into channels of speculative belief that bring misunderstanding and confusion. The work of higher criticism in dissecting, conjecturing, reconstructing is destroying faith in the Bible as a divine revelation. It is robbing God's Word of power to control, to uplift, and inspire human lives. By spiritualism, multitudes are taught to believe that desire is the highest law, that license is liberty, and that man is accountable only to himself. Jesus told us the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When you read John chapter 14, Jesus made an astounding statement. I believe it was Philip asked him, Lord, show us the Father. And, and it's a, please, I mean, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me? And then he said something beautiful in verse 10 and 11. And you read what Ellen White had to say about this in heaven. This is beautiful. He said, the words that I speak unto you, it's not me speaking them. It's the Father that dwells inside of me. It's not that Jesus and God were 
the same entity. But the Father, Jesus said in John chapter 4, 24, is spirit. And He was in His Son reconciling the world unto Himself. And the Father tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that the whole purpose is that God wants to manifest Himself within your life and my life. He says, I will dwell in you and I will walk in you. All this world will be filled with my glory. Not just my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten, but I will have many sons and daughters. And they will see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ellen White says, and you look this reference up, she says, through you and I, Christ desires to be a comforter to this world that the world knows not. When you speak God's Word to somebody that is weary and struggling in sin, when you speak in faith that Christ came to set the captives free, they're hearing not you speak, but Christ in you and God in Him that we might be one and that the world will know that God sent His Son to save, not to destroy. The life of Christ that gives life to the world is in His Word. It was by His Word that Jesus healed disease and cast out demons. It was by His Word that He stilled the sea and raised the dead. And the people bore witness that His Word was with power. He spoke the Word of God as He had spoken through all the prophets and teachers of the Old Testament. The whole Bible is a manifestation of Christ. And our Savior desires to fix the faith of His followers on the Word. When His visible presence should be withdrawn, the Word must be our only source of power. Like our Master, we are to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Listen to this promise. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of man. You know what the word of man is? Yea, nay, and maybe. I can tell you I'm going to be here at 4 o'clock and I can get in a traffic accident, there can be a plane wreck, and I'm not here. God's Word's not that way. If God has made a promise to you, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 11 tells you, My Word has gone forth and it shall not return unto me void. When my wife held on to that promise, she told the Lord, You swore an oath to me. When you received the Word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of mere men, but as it is in verity, the word of God, which effectually worketh in all those that believe. And that same word which spoke light in the darkness, which created and upholds the heavens and the earth, that same word which restored sight to the blind and caused the deaf to hear and made the lame to walk and cleansed the lepers, that same word speaks to you and I today and says, I am the Lord. I speak righteousness. For I that speak in righteousness am mighty to save. I'm going to close with one thought. 
when I had been in adultery, when I was unclean as unclean could be, when I had been living for almost five years in rebellion, how do you fix that? No man can cleanse his own heart. Let me tell you how God fixes that. He doesn't put you on a 12-month probation time period. If you need physical healing, He doesn't tell you, you, I'm going to give you a 12-week program to get off of those cigarettes. He speaks righteousness. You want to know what righteousness is? It's rightness. It's perfection. God said, let there be light and there... There wasn't a committee to get together and figure it out. When God says, now you are clean, Ellen White says, the moment the sinner lays hold of Christ by faith, that moment your sins are no longer upon you. You are justified. You are clean. You are innocent. You are holy and you are righteous. And what Christ is asking each of us to do today is believe His Word and stand up and walk as free men and women of God. Are you close now? Okay. Let's close. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word which You have spoken to each of us. Father, we thank You for the calling that You have on our lives. For when You called Christ from the tomb, You called each of us out of the darkness and into Your marvelous light. Help us to believe and to take hold of Your Son and never let go. Father, give us the Gospel so we can go to a world that is dying and offer them life. We ask You for this and we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.